glory. Hallelujah. Ain't you glad one day he got a hold of you? Somebody made a comment. They said, you better watch that alcohol. It'll get a hold of you. You better watch that marijuana. It'll get a hold of you. You better watch those Vicodins and those Percocets. They'll get a hold of you. Let me tell you something. It ain't only those things that can get a hold of you. The Holy Ghost can get a hold of you too. Praise God. Hallelujah. Stand with me all over this house as we turn to the word of the Lord. Amen. I got something on my heart today that I want to share with this body. I believe it's directed an unction by the Holy Ghost today. Turn with me. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Isaiah, the 41st chapter. Isaiah 41, I'm going to be reading verse 5 through 7. Isaiah 41, 5 through 7. I haven't heard this preached It's not a real common passage of Scripture. But I want to do my best to relay how the Lord has given it to me today, to this body. The book of Isaiah, the 41st chapter, the 5th verse. If you're there, shout out amen real loud. If you don't have your Bibles, the words are provided for you on the screen behind me. Amen. Thank God for Mr. Media, Mr. Sound back there. They do a tremendous job for us, amen, to have these things up on the screen for you, for your convenience. The book of Isaiah, the 41st chapter and the 5th verse. In your Bibles, the word of the Lord says, The isles saw it and feared. The ends of the earth were afraid. They drew near and came. They helped everyone his neighbor, and everyone said to his brother, Be of good courage. Right here is where I want to bring your attention today. In the seventh verse, the word of the Lord says, So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith. The carpenter encouraged the goldsmith, and he that smootheth with the hammer, him that smote the anvil, saying, It is ready for the soldering. And he fastened it with nails that it should not be moved. Can I tell you, there are moments when troubles enter our lives. And the truth is, we can simply do nothing to avoid them. Sometimes troubles come. Rains upon the just and the unjust alike. And sometimes there's simply nothing that we can do to avoid them. But all we have to decide, and I want you to get this down in your spirit today, 
All we have to decide is what are we going to do with the time that we are given? How are we going to respond to troubles? The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us how to respond. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. I want to preach to this body today on this thought. The encouraging carpenter. The encouraging carpenter. I want you to lay your Bibles down in your seat. One more time, let's lift a great big hallelujah praise unto the Lord today. Come on, let's thank him. He's the one that woke you up and started you on your way. He's the one keeping that cancer out of your body. He's the one causing those lungs to pump air and blood to flow through those veins and those vessels. Come on, he's the one that caused you to have a sound mind and a good heart and clean hands. And he's the one that deserves to be worshipped and praised and adored in this house today. Let's clap our hands and magnify the Lord all over this house one more time today. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Bless your word today. Fall upon good ground, O God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. The Lord bless you. You may be seated today. The carpenter encouraged the goldsmith. I want to preach to this body for a few moments on this beautiful Sunday early afternoon on the encouraging carpenter. This phrase is a very catchy phrase. This phrase caught my attention. I was riding in my work truck this week on the way to work, and I had my Bible app reading to me. Some of you busy folk have to do yourself. I had my Bible app reading to me, as I often do on the way to work, and this text rose above everything else that I heard. As a preacher, many times when you're seeking God for something to speak on or what the Lord would have you to speak to the body, sometimes you say, Lord, I just need you to illuminate something. Let, let, let something rise above, Lord, what you want me to deliver to your people. And the Lord illuminated this passage of Scripture and it rose above everything else that I heard. The carpenter encouraged the goldsmith. And every commentary that I read this week implies that this text refers to the making of idols. And maybe there are some Bible scholars in here who know, and maybe there are some folks that don't, so I'll just give you a little little recap on the making of idols. In our text today, the prophet Isaiah prophesies of the Lord rising a man up from the east. And this man begins to conquer the region. The people in the region, the people in the coastlands or the isles that the Bible says 
in the very first verse that we read, the people in the isles or the coastland, um, they were afraid. They became frantic. Uh, and they were worried. And they began to come together, which is a good thing when people come together. How many know it's a good thing when people come together? I look out at this body today and I see a people that have come together for a common purpose. And that's to worship the Lord. To give Him praise. To give Him adoration. To lift up His name today. The people in the aisles began to do this. They began to come together as they were afraid, which is a good thing. But the Bible tells us that instead of turning to God in their panic... They begin to make idols. And the context of our scriptures today is that the carpenter would take his skill of carving and shaping and woodworking and routing and cutting and sanding. The carpenter would take his skills and he would make the base of an idol. And... When he was finished with his work, he would then hand the idol to the goldsmith. And the goldsmith, who got most of the credit, who dealt with finer materials, who dealt with finer things, the goldsmith would take the hammer to the anvil and he would flatten out the gold or the silver or the bronze or Whatever precious metal he was going to wrap the idol with, he would beat it flat, and then he would wrap it over the idol and take on the bottom and set a few nails and make it beautiful. He would make the idol beautiful. He would overlay it with gold or silver, some other precious metal, so that its value would be increased so that it would be more desirable and so that it was ready to be sold in the marketplace. And even though the people turned to idols instead of to God in this text, the Word of God reveals to us a biblical principle that I believe the Lord wants every child of God to get down in their spirit today. The Word of God reveals to us a principle that I believe that the Lord wants every child of God to live by today. The Lord wants us to grow and to mature and to fulfill this role in our life. Church, more than ever today in these last days, we need the children of God that are good at the art of encouragement. There are people that are here today simply because they need encouragement. And I come to tell you in these last days today, we need to be a people that are skilled at the art of encouragement. Has anybody ever felt the need of encouragement today? Has anybody ever been in a low place where you needed somebody to speak a word into your life? Has anybody ever felt God was distant from you? Has anybody ever felt somebody turned their back on you? Has anybody ever felt you needed a carpenter, and not just any carpenter, but an encouraging carpenter to come into your life and said everything's going to be all right? 
Praise God. We as the body of Christ need to be skilled today at the art of encouragement. Many times in my life, many times, more times than I can recall, I have been the recipient of voices in my life encouraging carpenters that spoke words of encouragement into a broken and a distraught life. John, you can't quit. John, we're going to make it together. John, it's just the devil trying to stop you. John, there's nothing to turn back to. John, the Lord's going to show up. He's not going to fail you. John, you may not see it now, but somehow the Lord's going to turn this trial into a blessing. Come on, somebody. Am I the only person in this place that's had some encouraging carpenters in my life that spoke to me at a moment that I needed it the most and said, you're going to make it. We're going to make it together. We need the voice of encouraging carpenters today. We need people of God in our lives that can discern and feel in the Spirit and give us what God wants us to hear. Amen. And I, I learned a long time ago that it's not about what I receive anymore. Come on. Come on. I, I know that, that takes some depth to get to that, but I, I learned a long time ago it ain't about all about what I receive anymore. He's already given me more than I'll ever need. He gave me the Holy Ghost. Come on, the Holy Ghost will be my guide. The Holy Ghost will be my comforter. He'll be my provider. The Holy Ghost will take care of me. This ain't about what I need. The Lord wants to know, what am I going to do? Am I going to be an encouraging carpenter? It's not about what I receive. It's about what I'm going to give, what I'm going to say, what I'm going to show, what I'm going to speak into somebody's life today. Hallelujah. It's not about what I receive. It's about what I'm going to give today. One of our former presidents made the comment, it's not about what my country can do for me. It's about what I can do for my country. Sometimes we need to stop being selfish and stop worrying about us. It's about what God wants us to do for others. The Lord wants you to be an encouraging carpenter today. You don't got to be the goldsmith. You don't got to receive all the glory. You don't got to be he who works with finer things. Sometimes the Lord just wants to honor the carpenter. Sometimes the Lord just wants somebody who's willing to do the work. Sometimes the Lord just wants somebody who's willing to get down and get dirty and get dusty and be a carpenter in somebody's life. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. It's better to give than it is to receive. Come on, I'm not talking about money right now. I'm talking about encouragement. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about encouragement. Are you a balcony person or are you a basement person? Are you skilled at the art of encouragement? Are you an encouraging carpenter today? We need encouraging carpenters. Many of us have been the recipients of carpenters in our life spoke to us at our lowest moments. And if you're going to be a blessing to somebody, the Lord will in turn send you a blessing when you need somebody. 
Come on. The church has got to get back to being his brother's keeper. Come on, the church has got to get back to ye which are spiritual. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. It's time that we get beneath each other and lift each other up. It's time that we be skilled at the art of encouragement. It's time that we become the carpenter that encourages the goldsmith. Church, this generation desperately needs direction. And encouragement. I was reading this week that in 2021, over 71,000 Americans died from fentanyl overdose. That's not counting the rest of the opioids and the methamphetamines and all of those things. Over This was last year, and we're already on course to break that record this year. Over 71,000 people, Americans, died last year from fentanyl overdose. Suicide is on the rise. Church, this generation desperately needs direction and encouragement. Come on, the goldsmith is need of a carpenter that's going to encourage him today. Come on, suicide's on the rise. Mental health is in decline. The world is unstable. Grain is there. There's a shortage. All of these things are coming to pass just like the Bible says. And let me tell you something. The world is in need of an encouraging carpenter today. The world is in need of somebody who has the answer. Somebody who can build the base. Somebody who knows what they're talking about. Somebody that can put a saw to the wood. Somebody that's willing to get the sander out. Somebody that's willing to get dirty and dusty and get down in the trenches with the people that are broken and in despair and they need to be a carpenter in somebody's life today. Oh, my God, clap your hands unto the Lord. If you've ever been the blessed, if you've ever been encouraged by an encouraging carpenter today. The encouraging carpenter, the world desperately needs direction and encouragement. Come on. The truth of the matter is very few people rise to a place of greatness without the encouragement of somebody in their life. Come on. Some people just got it sewn into their fabric. They're going to be overachievers. Look at my wife right there. I'm one of those people. Huh? Somebody said this week at a service, I'm married up, yo. Some of us are just natural overachievers. I'm an overachiever today. Look how beautiful of a woman I married. Huh? That's going to give me some brownies tonight. And a big old glass of white vitamin D milk. Praise God. He's good. He's good. We need encouragement in our life. We all need encouragement in our life. And very few people rise to greatness without somebody that has been there for them at their lowest moment to say, Brother Edwin, you're better than that. Brother Edwin, you're going to make it. Sister Laura, we're going to make it together. Brother PJ, God's going to show up just in time. Come on. Come on, Sister Amanda. They that be with you are more than they that are against you. 
Come on, somebody. Sister Michelle, the Lord will never leave you, never forsake you. Brother Doug, God's got a good job for you, which he already brought to pass. Come on, sometimes we just got to thank him for it. Sometimes we just got to praise him and say, Lord, I know you're going to send a carpenter into my life, and he's going to encourage the goldsmith. He's going to do a work that's going to make me better. I thank you for the carpenter today. Oh, let's clap our hands and magnify the Lord in this house today. The church needs to be that encouraging carpenter. You might have had some people in your life that have damaged you. You might have had some people in your life that have dropped you like Mephibosheth. You might have had some people in your life that have forsaken you, put some nicks on you. But thanks be to God, you also had some people in your life that were encouraging carpenters that have shaped you and molded you, placed their hands on your, their fingerprints are on your life. God sent a carpenter into your life to help shape you and mold you and sand you and cut you and glue you and get you ready for the goldsmith. God sends encouraging carpenters in our life. Consider the furnishings of the tabernacle. They were crafted by, they were made by, they were sawn and hewed and, and, and sanded and, and, and worked by a carpenter who then in turn handed them to a goldsmith who put a hammer to an anvil and beat the metal flat so it could overlay the vessel and make it ornate. It was the goldsmith who got the credit for the beauty of the idol when it was done. It was the goldsmith who did the finer work. It was the goldsmith who put his hands on expensive things. But it was the carpenter that got dirty. It was the carpenter that did the hard job. It was the carpenter who labored. It was the carpenter who got everything ready and laid the base. And without... The carpenter, there's no need for the goldsmith. He put a hammer to the anvil, he beat the metal flat so it could overlay the vessel, make it a thing of beauty, make it a thing, make it a, a something to behold. My friend, it doesn't matter how rough your life has been. Doesn't matter what you've been through. It don't matter how terrible and how bumpy the road has been. When the Lord is finished with your life, it's going to be something to behold. When you've been through the hands of the carpenter and he's placed his hands upon you and he's done his work upon you and he hands you off to the goldsmith and the Lord takes the finer, the beautiful, the expensive things and he lays them upon your life, he will make your life a thing of beauty. He will make your life a thing of value. He will make your life a thing to behold. People will be astounded at what God has done in your life. I sit on a weekly basis and I talk about the people in this church that I am amazed what God has done for. Come on, we could sit here all day and talk about stories about people in this place that God has delivered, that God has brought a mighty long way. 
that God has put them in the hands of a carpenter. And that carpenter passed them on to the goldsmith. And what was once ugly and distraught and broken and bruised is now a thing of beauty and glamour and glorious in the sight of God. Come on. Weekly, I talk about people in this church. I'm amazed. I'm astounded. The transformation is awe-inspiring. The transformation is awe-inspiring. How many know that the Lord specializes in making ordinary things beautiful? (laughs) Don't get discouraged because you're ordinary today. It's temporary. As long as you're willing to be in the hands of the carpenter, as long as you're willing to let the carpenter do his work on you, as long as you're willing to let the preacher preach to you, as long as you're willing to let the word of God circumcise you and cut off all the stuff that shouldn't be on you, as long as you're willing to let the carpenter pass you on to the goldsmith, your life is going to be a thing of beauty. Your life is going to be a thing of beauty. The transformation will be awe-inspiring. Eyes have not seen, church. Ears have not heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God is going to do in your life. Come on, the things that God is going to do in your life. There are people in this church, blessings await you you can't behold. Come on, your cup is going to run over. The windows of heaven are going to open wide open, and the Lord's going to pour you out a blessing that you can't contain because you've been willing to go through the hands of a carpenter and be placed into the hands of a goldsmith and allow the Lord to make your, thing, your life a thing of beauty. The Lord specializes in making ordinary things beautiful, supernaturally transforming Things, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When it comes to the lane, the overlaying of things and transforming things without a carpenter, we have no need of a goldsmith. Without the carpenter to make the base, the goldsmith doesn't have anything to do with the flat metal. But we need encouraging carpenters. The Ark of the Covenant, the table of showbread, the brazen laver, the brazen altar were crafted. They were hewn out. They were planed. They were routed. They were chiseled. They were glued. They were screwed by the hard work of a carpenter before they were ever placed in the hands of a goldsmith. So when you walk into that temple in Jerusalem and you see that table of showbread and it's a thing of beauty and it's overlaid with all of this precious metal, friend, make no mistake about it, there was a carpenter that did the hard work. There was a carpenter that did the hard work. There was somebody that got dirty. There was somebody that was willing to work. There was somebody that was willing to put the work in and not receive the credit. They were an encouraging carpenter. All those five pieces were beautified, made to be ornate, decorated by a goldsmith. But that goldsmith was encouraged by a carpenter. Without that carpenter, those pieces never would have made it to the goldsmith. They could not have done it without the work of the carpenter. The carpenter specializes in ordinary things. A goldsmith specializes in finer things. A carpenter specializes in ugly things. A goldsmith specializes in beautiful things. Come on. And you're not ready for the finer things until you get done with the ordinary things. 
I'm going to say something that's a little controversial. I hear stories about people baptizing 30 and 40 at outreach programs. None of them show up to church on Sunday. You know why? Because they tried to bypass the carpenter. They tried to bypass the Bible study. They tried to bypass the, the, the faithful church attendance. They tried to bypass a sincere heart. They tried to bypass the people that sit down with them and say, this is what you got to do to be saved. This is the plan of salvation. You're never going to get to the goldsmith until you first go through the carpenter today. My God, we need a carpenter in our lives. Amen. And you're not ready for the finer things until you get done with the ordinary things. Come on. They needed somebody to work on them. They need somebody to teach them a Bible study. They need somebody to tell them what it takes to be saved. you got to go through the carpenter before you get to the goldsmith. Church, if we're faithful in few things, the Lord will make you rulers over many. You get upset at the Lord because he don't give you that promotion and you still ain't learned to pay your tithes yet. You're ready to be a teacher or a preacher, but you can't even be faithful to the house of God yet. You're ready for the Lord to bless you with a new car. You won't change the oil in the one you got. You're ready for a new house, and you won't even vacuum the floors or clean up the house you got. You ain't ready for the goldsmith until you get done with the carpenter. If you be faithful in a few things, the Lord will make you rulers over many. Come on. You go out and invite somebody to church. You're an encouraging carpenter. We got a lot of encouraging carpenters in this place. I'm thankful for every one of you. You go out, you invite somebody to church, you're an encouraging carpenter. You're shaping them. You're molding them. You're preparing them to become a thing of beauty. And when you're done doing the work of the carpenter, they come into the presence of the Lord and they hear the preached word of God and it brings conviction in their life. And then they get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and covered with his blood and fills them with the Holy Ghost. They're being brought from the carpenter to the goldsmith. Thank God for encouraging carpenters today. That old broken down, that old banged up, that old beat up person supernaturally is transformed into a thing of beauty because a carpenter was willing to get down and get dirty in their life. Come on. Yeah, it's going to be an inconvenience for you to teach Bible study. Yeah, you might miss one of your favorite shows. Come on. Yeah, yeah, you might have to miss something you want to do. Yeah, you might miss, you might miss, have to miss golfing for a fundraiser. Yeah, you might have to miss a video game group to, to be a church prayer. Come on, somebody. Yeah, you're going to have some inconvenience in your life, but you need a carpenter in your life to shape you and to mold you and to carve you and to hand you to the goldsmith today. Thank God for carpenters. Come on, thank God for carpenters today. Do the uplifting. Carpenter doesn't depend upon the work of the goldsmith. The goldsmith depends upon the work of the carpenter. 
It's modesty that inspires magnificent. You young ladies, you want to be seen as beautiful, you ain't going to do that exposing your body. Oh, it's all right. I'm the pastor. I can say it. You young ladies, you want to be seen as hot? Let me tell you what hot is. Hot is modest. Hot is modesty. Showing off your body, being immodest, being indecent ain't going to get you nothing but trouble. That's all it's going to get you. You want to be godly? You got to be modest. You young men, you don't need to be running around without a shirt on your body. You don't need to be running around showing your muscles to everybody. You want to be modest? You want to be godly? Let the carpenter trim off the stuff that ain't supposed to be there. Come on. It's all right. I'm the pastor. I can say it. You can get mad and you you can not come back, but I'm going to love you anyway. What you need is somebody to tell you fornication is going to send you to hell. That's what you need. You don't need somebody to justify it. You don't need somebody to justify it. Let me tell you something. When you are living in sin, you don't need a friend to justify your sin. You need a carpenter to trim you up. Come on. You need a carpenter to trim you up. Come on. This ain't no Ozzy Osbourne concert. This ain't no new kids on the block concert. This is the house of God. This is the house of God. Come on. It's modesty that inspires magnificence. It's modesty that inspires majestic. It's the carpenter that encourages the goldsmith. It's not the goldsmith that encourages the carpenter. No, it's the one who does the hard work. It's the one who does the labor. It's the one who's willing to get dirty. It's the one who's willing to do the part that nobody's going to receive the glory for. There are people who work in this church on a weekly basis, and they don't receive any glory for it. But they're carpenters. They're carpenters. They're willing to get dirty. They're willing to do the dirty job. They're willing to do what nobody else wants to do. They're encouraging carpenters today. It's the modest that inspires the magnificent. Without a far, listen, without a framer, there ain't no need of a sheetrocker. And without a sheetrocker, there ain't no need of a painter. And without a carpenter, there ain't no need of a goldsmith. Very few of the pieces of ornaments that you put on your body are pure and solid. Most of them are overlaid. Without somebody to make the base, there's no need of him that does the overlaying. Let me tell you something. The church can't be filled with goldsmiths. The church has got to have some carpenters. The church has got to have some people that's willing to do the work and not receive the glory. The church has got to be a people that are willing to receive their glory in heaven. Not not do their alms before men, but do their alms in the closet. Go into the closet and do your alms, and the Lord will reward you openly. Come on. The carpenter encourages the goldsmith. Without a framer, there's no need of a sheetrocker. Without a sheetrocker, there's no need of a painter. Thank God for encouraging carpenters. There's no telling how many successful people had an encouraging carpenter as a teacher in elementary school or middle school or high school that told them they were special. You're going to rise above. You're going to achieve great things. You're going to beat the odds. 
You're not going to be another statistic. How much more are those that teach and educate in the truth? How much more important are those that teach and educate in the truth? You ought to be thankful every time your children walk down those stairs back there into the hands of a Sunday school teacher that's an encouraging carpenter. You ought to be thankful every time your children open that door up and walk down those stairs into the hands of an encouraging carpenter that's a junior church teacher. You ought to be thankful today for encouraging carpenters in your life. They're shaping your children. They're molding them. They're carving them. They're teaching them. They're preparing them for the goldsmith. That's what they're doing. They're preparing them for the goldsmith. They're getting them ready for an anointed worship service where they can be handed into the hands of the goldsmith and he's going to overlay them and their life is going to become a thing of beauty. We ought to be thankful today. It's there in that Sunday school classroom. They're going to learn to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness because the carpenter got them ready for the goldsmith. Go on ahead and try to get your children to the goldsmith without going through the carpenter and watch what happens. Oh, my God, I'm preaching to somebody. Come on. Go on ahead and try to take your marriage to the goldsmith without first going through the carpenter. Go on ahead and try to take your walk with God to the goldsmith without first putting it in the hands of the carpenter. And watch and see your results. You ain't going to be happy. And you ain't going to be content. How much more important, how much more wonderful and important are they that teach and educate in truth? We ought to thank God for carpenters, encouraging carpenters in our life. It's the carpenter who has made possible the triumphs and the achievements of the goldsmith. The most authoritative the most influential, the most persuasive voice in my life did not come from a platform. It didn't come from behind a microphone. It didn't come from a politician or a Hollywood actor. It came from a kitchen. It came from a mother who was an encouraging carpenter. It came from a mother who time and time again, I would walk into that kitchen and she'd say, son, what's wrong with you? And i say, nothing's wrong, ma. And she'd say, yes, it is. You're lying to me. I want to know what's wrong with you. She already knew because she was the carpenter that was placed into my life. John, don't go there. John, don't do that. John, don't hang out with them. John, don't get caught up in that. God is not pleased in that. She was a carpenter that God put in my life to shape me and mold me and cut me and sand me and get dusty. The most influential voice in my life came from a kitchen because the Lord placed a mother that was an encouraging carpenter in my life. Mama, don't you ever discount the fact that God gave you those children. Brady, don't you ever discount the fact that God gave you those children to be an encouraging carpenter in their life. He gave them to you so you could correct them. He gave them to you so you could shape them. Not to justify their wrongs. 
Not to teach them it's okay to sin. Not to teach them everybody's going to heaven. No, they ain't. That's a lie. Straight from the pits of hell. There's a place prepared for those that love God and trust him and obey him. And there's a place prepared for those that are disobedient to God. We need carpenters in our lives. We need carpenters in our lives that shape us and mold us and cut us and tell us the truth. It's going to take the truth to save your soul. Justifying people's wrongs ain't going to help them one iota. It's actually going to send them straight to a devil's hell. Come on, it was a strong voice that said, son, that'll send you to hell. Son, that's going to, that's going to cause the Lord to get you. Son, you know you shouldn't be doing that. It was the strong voice of a carpenter that, that shaped me and molded me. And taught me to revere God and to fear God and to seek to please God. Come on, Daddy, don't you ever discount the fact that the Lord gave you those children for you to be a carpenter. Sit them on your knee. Bounce them and hug them and tell them you love them. But be a strong voice of authority in their life. Don't justify their wrongs. Don't tell them they're okay in sin because you're going to land them in hell. They need a carpenter. They don't need a friend. They don't need an acquaintance. They need a carpenter. They need somebody to trim them and shape them and teach them and sand them and nail them and screw them and glue them and tell them, I'm getting you ready for the goldsmith. Come on. It was a strong voice of a carpenter that shaped all of us. It was the voice of an encouraging carpenter. If you don't, if your children don't learn to accept correction from you, they're never going to accept correction from God. Well, don't, don't be meddling, preacher. I'm meddling. If your children ain't never corrected by you, ain't never taught correction by you, they will never receive correction from God. Come on. It's the truth. Some people say amen, some people say on me, but it's the truth. We got, to, we got to be the carpenter today. We got to be the encouraging carpenter today. Telling somebody, telling your children, telling your loved ones, steering them in the right direction is not being mean, it's being the carpenter. It's actually being the encouraging carpenter. It takes the carpenter to get ready for the goldsmith. It's been said that behind every good woman is a good man. <laughs> I'm sorry I got that wrong. It's been said behind every good man is a good woman. There's an amen right there. I figured I'd get an amen from the ladies on that. Behind every, <laughs> behind every good man is a good woman. I couldn't tell you how many times that my wife said, John, you need to be careful. I see this, I see, I see this in your life, I see this happening. Let me tell you something, the Lord will give you carpenters that you don't expect. And I thank God for a carpenter in my life, many carpenters in my life. I thank God for spiritual authority in my life. Listen, we need encouraging carpenters in our lives today. Sometimes the Lord can use our servants as our masters. Can you say amen? Consider Naaman. 
He was struck with leprosy. Sick, he was going to die. But he was a little servant, a little, a little slave girl who lived in his house. And you know what? One day she realizes he's going to die. But she became a carpenter in the life of a general. And she said, would God that the prophets were the same here as they are in Israel. If my Lord were in Israel, he would be healed from his leprosy. You know what they did? They sent Naaman over to, to Israel. And the prophet tells him, go dip yourself seven times in the river Jordan, the muddiest river around. But the pride of Naaman rose up. He was a prideful man. He said, I'm not dipping in that dirty river. There's all kinds of clean rivers in Damascus I can dip myself in. Why do I need to get down in that dirty river? His pride almost cost him his miracle. But he had a little carpenter in his life. She didn't consider herself to be much. She didn't think of herself as much. She was a slave in his house. But she spoke up and she said, if you get your miracle, won't it be worth it? Won't it be worth it? So you know what he does? He dips himself in the, in the, in the Jordan River seven times and he raises up and the sores begin to fall off of his body. And I promise you, I promise you, when those sores started falling off of his body, he was thanking God for an encouraging carpenter that the Lord sent into his life. They said, get rid of your pride, sir, and get down in that water. God wants to heal you. But so many times, we don't want to have the carpenter do his work on us. You're not going to get ready for the goldsmith until you first go through the carpenter. Come on. We got to be shaped. We got to be molded. We got to be faithful. We got to become something that God can work with. The carpenter encourages the goldsmith. Church, we need encouraging carpenters. I guarantee you, Naaman was thankful when it was all done. He almost died. But in the end, he listened to the carpenter and he received the overlay. He got a second chance at life. He got a second chance at life. Come on, Helen Keller needed the carpentry work of Ann Sullivan to shape her. She taught her, she shaped her, she worked with her. The prophet Nathan was a carpenter in the life of David when he sinned against God and he slept with Bathsheba. Nathan told him, he said, sir, you are that man. You are that man, David. You're wrong. You need to repent before God. This is going to cost you everything. This is, this is a big mess up there. He didn't sugarcoat what David did. He didn't tell David what he wanted to hear. He was a carpenter. He was there to do the cutting. He was there to do the sanding and the molding and the shaping. David, you're doing wrong and you need to repent before God. Friend, when you're in the wrong, you don't need somebody to justify you. You need somebody to tell you the truth. You need a carpenter. Come on, there's still, church, there's still only one remedy for sin. You got to repent. You got to repent. You got to turn from your sin. You got to be baptized in Jesus' name. 
You've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, are there any carpenters in this house that's still preaching this truth? Are there any carpenters in this house that's still telling people what they need to hear? Come on, telling them what they want to hear ain't doing them no good at all. You've got to tell them the plan of salvation. You need to repent. You need to turn around. You need to walk away from what you've been doing. You need to be buried with him in baptism and raised in power, and you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. There is no other plan of salvation. There is no other plan of salvation. The Bible does not teach another way to heaven. There is no other way to heaven than the plan of salvation. Are there any carpenters in this house? Are there any people willing to point people to Jesus? Is there anybody willing to get dirty and dusty and sweaty? Anybody willing to have sawdust stuck to your sweat today? Because the work of the Lord is in the trenches. The work of the Lord is among common people. The work of the Lord is among broken people. The word, of, the work of the Lord is among people that are hurting and despondent. The work of the Lord is getting down and getting dirty with them and becoming a carpenter in their life. Hallelujah. Men have often done their greatest work by pointing others to people who are skilled in what they need. Come on, I'm not a psychiatrist today. I can't help you with your mental health. But if you got a spiritual problem, I'm going to seek Lord and help try to find you an answer. Huh? I'm not much of a mechanic. I'm probably going to put your alternator where your starter's supposed to be, and you're not going to be, you're going to be going backwards in your car. Many of men have done their greatest work by pointing people to somebody that they need. Come on, be the carpenter today. Be the one that God wants to use today. Don't try to be the goldsmith. If you're not the goldsmith, be the carpenter. Point the people to the Lord today. Men have often done their greatest work by recognizing that they don't have the ability to do what someone needs. A carpenter is not supposed to do the work of a goldsmith. Come on, his tools are different. He operates with a saw, a sander. A planer, he operates with different tools than a goldsmith does. A carpenter's not supposed to do the work of a goldsmith. He's not skilled with the working of gold, and the goldsmith is not skilled with the working of wood. Church, it's okay not to be skilled in everything. Just do what God has called you to do and point them in the right direction they need to go. My Lord long as you're skilled at the art of encouraging. As long as you're an encouraging carpenter and when you're willing to let God use you and point somebody in the direction that they need to go. A goldsmith would be foolish to only seek the approval of other goldsmiths. Come on. I'm a preacher here. I'm the pastor here. I would be foolish to think that I don't need all of you. I would be foolish to think that I don't need Brody to go to his friends and say, hey, why don't you come to church with me, and, I'll, and I think the Lord's going to show you a better way. I would be foolish to think that, sister, that I don't need Sister Stacy to go into her apartments and say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? You're having a hard way to go. I believe the Lord can help you. Because without all of you carpenters, there's no need in the preacher. We need one another. We need one another today. We don't have to be skilled in everything. The goldsmith without the carpenter has no work to do. 
without the carpenters in this church going out and bringing vessels in here, there'd be no body for all these preachers, not just me, but all these preachers to preach to. That's why I thank God for the prayer group that comes here every Wednesday to lift up this body and to lift up this leadership. Your carpenters encouraging the goldsmith. That's what you are. Your carpenters encouraging the goldsmith. That's why I thank God for every member of our home Bible study team who takes a night a week out of their own time to sit down with people who need the word of God placed in their life. Your carpenters, you're encouraging, carpenters encouraging the goldsmith today. Come on, every Sunday school teacher, every preacher, every board member, every member of the worship team, every member of the cleaning team, every member of the lawn care team, every member of the greeting team, every member of the junior church team, every member of the ministry team, every member of the sound team and the media team, everybody that invites somebody to church, you're a carpenter in the house of God today. You're a carpenter encouraging the goldsmith today. And thank God we got carpenters in this church. Amen. If you're thankful for carpenters in this church, give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Come on, give him some praise today. Lord, we thank you for our carpenters. Thank you for those that are willing to get in the trenches, Lord. Thank you for those that are willing to do it and not receive the glory, Lord. Thank you for those that are willing to love people and not be loved back, Lord. Thank you for those that are willing to come to pre-service prayer, Lord. Thank you for those carpenters you have given us, Lord. Thank you for those carpenters. Thank you for those carpenters. Hallelujah. No goldsmith ever changed the world. No. No goldsmith ever changed the world. No goldsmith ever walked on water. No goldsmith ever healed blinded eyes. No goldsmith ever raised the dead. No goldsmith ever spoke to the winds and the waves and told them to obey him. No goldsmith ever did this or no goldsmith ever did that. But a carpenter did. But a carpenter did. Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus was the ultimate encouraging carpenter today. A carpenter did. Come on. If you're going to look like Jesus, if you're going to be like Jesus, you're going to have to be the carpenter that encourages the goldsmith. That's what Jesus was. They wanted him to come and overthrow the government. He said, you know what? That's not why I came. That ain't why I came at all. You're, you're looking for me in some natural way. You're looking for me to overthrow this kingdom. You're looking for me to overthrow Rome. And that ain't why I came. You see, because that would be temporary. Because if I overthrow Rome, you're going to become disobedient again, and I'm going to have to place you into the hands of another king that's going to cause you to submit. But what I'm going to do is eternal. I'm going to conquer sin. I'm going to give you freedom forever. (laughs) Come on, I'm going to give you freedom forever. Today, no goldsmith ever changed the world, but a carpenter did. But a carpenter did. He worked with ordinary people who had ordinary problems. And I come to tell this body today, if you're going to be like Jesus, you're going to have to become an encouraging carpenter. How many of you are guilty of walking away from God, but he took you back? He had mercy on you. He spared you. He loved you when you were unlovable. 
He forgave you when you were unforgivable. Come on, we, 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 most of us have walked away from God. Most of us have, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not most of us, all of us. Every single last one of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Come on, we all have had need of an encouraging carpenter in our lives. God took us back. Come on. When you were down, he picked you up. How many have lost your way? But the shepherd came looking for that one lost sheep. You were broken, but a carpenter came. You were cracked, but a carpenter came. You had nicks in you, but a carpenter came. And he fixed you up. And he handed you to the goldsmith. And he said, make this a thing of beauty. Overlay it. Overlay it. Cover it. How many know we need a covering? <laughs> we need a covering. You ain't gonna, you ain't gonna never serve God without a covering. You need a covering in your life. We need a covering in our life. It's only the goldsmith that can give us a covering. We all sin and come short of the glory of God. We all have had our lives put back together by the carpenter and made us ready for the goldsmith. I may not look like much to anybody else today. I may just look like another piece of wood to some people today. I might have some splits and some cracks and some bangs and some bruises, but one day I found me a carpenter. One day I found me a carpenter. And he started working on me. He started transforming me. He started shaping me. He started changing me. Come on, listen. One day I found me a carpenter. Let me tell you something. When the Lord gets finished overlaying me with his gold, with his covering, you're going to see something that you have never seen before. You're going to see what a mighty God he is. You're going to see how he can transform the non-transformable. You're going to see how he can take the immortal and make it. He can take the mortal and make it immortal today. Come on. You're going to see what the carpenter and the goldsmith can do when they work together. Don't be that carpenter that works against the goldsmith. No, the carpenter needs to encourage the goldsmith. Hallelujah. I might just look like an ordinary piece of wood, but my life is in the hands of the carpenter. You you might not see it right now, but I've got an overlay on the way. I've got a covering that's coming for me, and I'm going to become a thing of beauty. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm going to become something of worth. I'm going to become something that's beautiful. Stand with me all over this house today as the musicians come quickly. I wonder if there are any encouraging carpenters in this church today. Church, can I tell you today, That there is no greater honor, there is no greater honor than being a carpenter in somebody's life. There's no greater honor than being the one who shapes them and molds them and guides them and steers them and leads them to the goldsmith and says, here you go. Make this a thing of beauty. It would be foolish for us to think that we can stop people from sinning. It would be foolish for us to think that we have the power to transform somebody's life, Micah. It would be foolish for us to think that we can beautify someone or make their life a thing of beauty. We're just carpenters. 
But when we hand them to the goldsmith, he can cover them. He can make them a thing of value. He can make them have worth. He can make them a thing of beauty. There's no greater honor than being the carpenter that encourages the goldsmith. You're not going to get all the recognition. If that's what you're after, you got the wrong spirit. The carpenter might not have his name in lights, but great is his reward in heaven. (laughs) If he can find the strength to become an encouraging carpenter. You might not receive all the glory. People might not even know who you are, but the Lord does. The Lord does. And the Lord knows whether you're an encouraging carpenter or not. Saul, as we come to a close, Saul of Tarsus, he got almost all the way to Damascus, desiring a letter to further persecute the church. He was almost there. The Bible says when he came near to Damascus, he was almost there. He had almost made the greatest mistake of his life, but God was gracious. Shines a bright light from heaven, knocks him down to the ground. The men that were traveling with Saul were astounded because they heard a voice from heaven speaking to this man, but they saw no man. There was nobody there. What in the world is going on? Somebody's talking to this guy. He's blind. He's down on the ground. He's broken. Something's going on. I hear a voice, but there's nobody there. And let me tell you something. When the Lord was done speaking with Saul, the Lord told Saul, he said, you go on into Damascus. Go on. Go on and finish your journey to where you were going to go. And I'm going to send somebody to you. I've got a carpenter prepared. He's waiting for you in Damascus. You are headed down the wrong road, Saul. You are going the wrong way, Saul. But I'm gracious enough I'm going to spare you. I'm going to keep you from making the biggest mistake of your life. And not only am I going to do that, but i got a carpenter waiting for you. So they take him on into Damascus, the Bible says, in the house of Judas. And there, the Lord begins to deal with another man, Ananias. And he tells him, he says, I want you to go over to the street called Straight. Isn't it something that Saul, the one the Lord is dealing with, was found on the street called Straight? The Lord wants to straighten you out with the carpenter. The Lord wants to straighten us out with the carpenter. I need straightened out myself. We all need carpenters. And he said, I want you to go over to the house of Judas. It's on the way called straight, on the street called straight. He said, there's a man there, and he's blind, and he's waiting on you. And immediately, the Bible says, when he walked into the house... He laid his hands upon Saul, and he said, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, Brother Saul. 
He said, the Lord has sent me to restore your sight and to make sure you are filled with the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Praise God. Three days, Saul sat there in the house of Judas. Three days, blind. No doubt, Saul of Tarsus thought, man, it's over. I messed up too bad. There's no fixing this. I've been three days sitting in this house blind. I have not ate. I have not drank. I'm not going to survive like this much longer. But the Lord sent a carpenter. And he walked into the house and he laid his hands on him and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord hath sent me to you. The Lord has sent me to you. You are a chosen vessel. You're going to preach Jesus' name to the Gentiles. You're going to speak into the life of kings. You're going to speak to the house of Israel, cause them to turn from their wicked ways. The encouragement of a carpenter made the difference in the life of Saul. He received his sight. He received his sight because of a carpenter that was willing to go. He received the Holy Ghost because of a carpenter that was willing to be inconvenienced for the benefit of somebody else. He received the Holy Ghost. He went on to achieve great things for God. He started many churches. He wrote most of the New Testament He wrote most of the New Testament behind prison bars. Paul achieved great things in his life because he had an encouraging carpenter at his lowest point when he thought it was all over. He thought he was going to surely die. He hadn't ate or drank in three days. But the Lord sent him a carpenter. I'm coming to a close. I want to share something that happened to me at 3 o'clock this morning as we get ready to open up these altars. I very rarely dream, and I usually give the credit to some bad pizza or too much ice cream when I do because they just don't make any sense. But last night, the Lord gave me a dream. And at 3 o'clock this morning, I woke up sweating and panting. My heart was racing. I was walking down a trail. It was an asphalt trail. It was kind of like a Monon trail or some kind of place where people ride their bikes or take walks. And on both sides was guardrails. There was a young girl from this church. I'm walking down this pathway, and I noticed there are snakes on the sides on inside of the guardrails. And Abigail, Josh's daughter, Adriana's little sister, comes running up beside me, and she reaches over the guardrail, and one of the snakes lunges at her and tries to bite her. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. And I grabbed her and I pulled her over to me. 
And I said, those snakes will bite you. Those snakes will bite you. And she was scared, and she just stayed with me, and we just continued on. And then a little girl was about four or five years old, comes running up next to us, and she climbs over the guardrail. And she reaches down and she picks up one of the snakes and the snake coiled around her arm and the snake reared back. And I said, that snake is going to bite you. And the snake at that time just bit her on her hand. And then it let go and it reared back again. And I start running towards this little girl. This little brown haired girl is about four or five years old. And I said, that snake is going to bite you. Put the snake down. Put the snake down. And I get my phone out. I'm trying to record the snake so I can see if it's poisonous so I know whether I need to take her to the hospital or not. And all of a sudden, that snake turns into a man. And that man has this little girl rolled over and he's sitting on top of her and I can tell he's an evil and a mean man. He takes and he reaches in his pocket and he pulls out a utility knife and he slides it up with his thumb and the utility blade is sticking out the end of the knife and he draws back and I said, no, don't do that. And he begins to swipe in this little girl's face. And I'm charging towards him and I remember thinking in my mind, am I going to kick him? Am I going to dive on him? Am I going to just tackle him? What am I going to do when I get over here? And as I got over there and as I lunged towards him, I woke up. My heart was racing. And I was sweating. And I said, Lord, I don't know what this means, but if you got a word for me, I need it. I need it, Lord. I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. The Lord began to speak to me. He said, that little girl that was four or five years old is this church. And there are people in this church that are playing and touching and fondling things that they know they should not be messing with. They're going to get bitten. They're going to get bitten by the enemy. The enemy's going to get them. But he said, don't you worry. Because when you were looking at that man, he could have taken that knife and he could have started stabbing that little girl, but he didn't. Instead, he sliced her. There's going to be some scars, but I have limited him. He can't destroy her. He can't defeat her. He can't kill her. He might wound her. She might have some scars when it's all over, said and done, but I've got him limited. I'm not going to let the enemy have his way with her. Oh, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house today. Come on, the Lord is speaking to somebody today. You need a carpenter in your life to trim you up, to sand you, to cut you, to shape you, and to hand you into the hands of the goldsmith. As we sing this song unto the Lord today, I want you to get out of that seat. Don't delay. Don't listen to your flesh right now. Go on ahead and do what God has told you to do. Get out of that seat. Come up to the front of this church because the Lord wants to overlay you with a covering. And He wants to make your life a thing of beauty. But you're going to have to be willing to go through the hands of the carpet. Without the carpenter, there's no need for the goldsmith. People can bring you here. But if you're not willing to be changed, 
and you're not willing to be transformed and you're not willing to let God speak into your life and you're not willing to obey him when he tells you, don't do this, don't do that, don't go there, don't say that, don't cut that. If you're not willing to listen to the voice of God in your life, the goldsmith's not going to be able to overlay you and make your life beautiful. The carpenter, the encouraging carpenter. Are there any carpenters in this house today that want the Lord to use them, that want the Lord to touch them, to direct them, to help them speak into the lives of the people that they love. If you're an encouraging carpenter today, I want you to get out of that seat and walk up to the front of this church as we sing this song.